0: You're much better off being hyper-relevant to a small audience than partially relevant to a large audience.
1: You're listening to the Content 10x Podcast, where it's all about content repurposing. I'm Amy Woods and I'm here to help you maximise your content and find smart ways to get your message in front of more of the right people, whilst also saving time. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Content 10x Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Woods, and thank you so much for joining me today now this week's episode is a super special one i've invited my good friend jay bear onto the show and i'm talking to him all about his fantastic podcast social pros and finding out what lessons he's learned from creating almost 500 episodes so that is nearly 10 years of podcasting right there one and only jay bear welcome to the content 10x podcast
0: Fantastic to be back with you, Amy. Congratulations on all the success with the podcast. Great to be here.
1: <laughs> Thank you so much. So you were previous guest in episode 101 of the Content 10X podcast, and this is 205, so just over a hundred episodes. What what's been going on in a hundred weeks of uh, <laughs> of your time, <laughs> Jay?
0: <laughs> oh, nothing, uh, nothing at all. Um, you know, pandemic, uh, a few other things. Yeah, I mean um, my day-to-day existence is so different now than it was when I was on the show previously. Uh, you know, last time we chatted on the show, I was traveling 200 days a year to, to give presentations at conferences and and meetings and events. And, and now a lot less of that because there's fewer events because of the pandemic and uh, a lot more virtual events and things like that. So I am, um, I told my, uh, my friend recently that until the pandemic the longest i had ever been home consecutively at home uh, was 23 days and that was the longest i'd been home for 17 years 23 days was my all-time record right and then during the pandemic i was home for like 420 days you know in a row so it was a very very different uh, state of affairs now but all things uh, all things being equal um it's actually been pretty great business is good and uh, I don't mind doing virtual events and I don't really miss traveling so much. Um, so it's all good.
1: Well, it's it's so good to have you back. And what we are going to talk about today. So social pros is fast approaching episode 500 a little later this year. So huge yeah. congratulations on that. Um, episode one went live on the 30th of January, 2012. So over nine and a half years ago. So why did you decide to launch a podcast back nine and a half years ago? You were very early adopter, very progressive yeah, yeah. In, in, in doing out, that. Yeah.
0: It wasn't actually my idea. Uh, I can't take credit for it. Um, my friend Eric Boggs, who at the time was the CEO of a company called Argyle Social, which was a pioneering kind of social media listening, social publishing uh, tool, kind of similar to what Agora Pulse is today um but but many many years ago eric um uh and i are friends and his marketing director uh tristan handy uh said hey uh, you guys are always funny and interesting when you talk why don't we do a podcast and i said okay sure i and, and i am like all right how hard can it be uh and, and so literally that was that was sort of uh the the impetus was hey let's just get together and talk Uh, But then I started to realize from a business standpoint, um, you know, owning a consulting firm, what if I just interviewed my future clients, and that was sort of the strategic thrust of social pros was, It's a lot easier as a consulting firm to build a relationship with somebody on a podcast, and that relationship may at some point lead to business as opposed to just emailing people and saying, hey, would you like a consultant, right, (laughs) which doesn't work very well so uh, and it's actually been great over the last uh, nearly 10 years we've had lots of Uh, social pros guests who turned into clients for Convince and Convert uh, and and uh, and vice versa uh, clients that ended up as guests on the show. So it was a very um, underdeveloped concept uh, that here we are still doing 10 years later.
1: Crazy. And I guess, you know, looking back at the show, um, there's so many repeat guests that you've had as well. And it feels like You followed people's careers as well. So, some people have been on twice, three, four times. And it shows, you know, people that your guests seem to have moved around a lot in different jobs throughout it. So, has that been interesting to see as well?
0: Yes. And, And it's actually one of the jokes that we have on the show. Uh, is that if you're on Social Pros, within 30 days you will be in a different company. Like it is unbelievable. <laughs> it's, I, I've never actually done the math on it, but it is unbelievable how many people end up um, changing uh, positions or companies uh, very quickly after being on the show. I don't credit the show for that, but I don't know, maybe. Uh, and and so yes, we've had guests, and and I try to do this on purpose, right? I'm LinkedIn connected with all these folks, and and you know when they go to a new job somebody might go from company A to company B. um, And and I'll give them a little time to get settled and say, hey, we'd love to have you back on the show. And now let's talk about your new role and compare and contrast that with your previous company. Um, Just recently, Tatiana Holyfield was back on the show. When we had her on, uh, I don't know, 18 months ago or so, she was the head of uh, marketing for um, Pacers Sports and Entertainment, which is the Indiana Pacers uh, NBA team and the Fever, WNBA team, and a bunch of other things. And now she's the head of uh, brand social for Hulu, which is a very large uh, media company here in the US. Uh, And so it's a very different role, different part of the country. And it was really fascinating to have her back on the show and be like, okay, now how does this compare to to where you were in the past? And uh, it's also fun to have people on the show on occasion who are really old timers, kind of in in social, as I am and my co host, uh, Adam Brown, who are sort of in it from the beginning and and folks who now, you know, have 15 years, 20 years or whatever um, background in the industry and, and have them talk about kind of where we've been uh, and, and where we're going. Dave Fleet was uh, our most recent guest and he's been in, in the game for a really long time. He's now the head of global crisis um, for Edelman uh, Public Relations. And so he's in charge of all the bad things that happen <laughs> on, on social media. <laughs>
1: Yeah I guess um, when you first started out uh, the the tagline the show for real people doing real work in social media and I I guess that wasn't that many people was it in the grand scheme of things it was an emerging profession being uh, responsible for social media so you've 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 tracked the profession over the course of the different roles that have emerged how businesses have developed social media as a function within their organization it must have changed so much in in terms of a career and position. Oh,
0: it, it went from an experiment at best um, to, to something that is a requirement for almost all organizations. And now one of the things that we occasionally talk about on the show is, is individuals who started in social um, are now ascending to, to significant roles in, in organizations. Um, and, and that's really interesting. Adrian Parker, for example, uh, multiple time guest on the show, uh, he started off as the frontline Twitter manager for Radio Shack, which is a uh, now defunct uh, chain of electronics stores in the US. Um, so he just wrote their tweets. And, and most recently, he just uh, resigned his position, but he was the global chief marketing officer for Patron. uh, Tequila, right? And so, so he's the you know started off writing tweets. Now is the CMO, right? And and that kind of escalation and elevation in organizations was unthinkable when we started this podcast. And nobody was like, oh, let's have the social media person be the CMO. That was definitely not in the cards. And so it's become something that was sort of a nice to have or sort of an oddity, if you will, to, of course, now brands can't imagine not having social and putting a bunch of time and money into it. And of course, the money part is another huge difference, right? I mean, there was no paid social when we started this podcast. There was no such thing, right? It was only organic. And so that's, of course, been a huge change over the last decade.
1: What do you think it is about the people who've earned their stripes in the social media positions that led to them then going on in those CMO type positions? What What's the kind of skills, experience, the, the type of person, I suppose, that once they were in that position, it lent well to more senior positions in marketing?
0: I think it depends on the company, but but in general, people who have significant social media roles, it, it is a combination of skills required to do that job, right? So you have to be really good at um, at, at thinking quickly and task management. Uh, you have to be an excellent communicator, both um, written and, and visual. You have to be good at math and analysis, right? You have to understand um, audiences and target audiences. You have to understand um, customer service and customer support at some level, uh, innovation and insights generation. Um, so, so all of these are, are important skills um, and, and your social media person in a lot of organizations, probably has a broader set of job duties um, than than almost any other role in most organizations. And so I think it is um, a really good training ground for people to then have executive, uh, typically marketing uh, positions. And, and we're starting to see that. I think the as a training ground, it was always true, but I think we had to get past the, well, we can't make the social media person a CMO. That's crazy, right? You had to sort of get through that bias That social was somehow, um, I don't know, fluffy or, or, you know, kind of frivolous or unimportant. I think we're past that now, uh, as so many businesses see social as a major way of customer acquisition and customer retention.
1: Yeah, and I, and I think um, as well, I'm just thinking that those those people in those early positions probably had well will have had a struggle within some of the organisations they work with to convince the C-suite of the importance of social media. So if you add to that um, stakeholder management and persuasion and you know negotiation, probably having yep. a strong voice at a table, probably going in. Um, being the underdog and, and being able to come out the winner with a social media team that works. It, it's all likely to lead to the more senior positions, isn't it? When you add that all together. So it must have been really interesting to just see what's happened over the last 10 years in that regard.
0: <laughs> and also when we have younger guests on the show to see how, at least in the US, um, training at the college and university level around social has has evolved and changed. Um, You know, there there are social media classes and even social media degrees now that, of course, didn't exist um, not that long ago, and and it's by no means universal. Um, There's not that many um, schools that will grant a social media degree, Um, but, but it's interesting to see how much that's built into your typical marketing, advertising, communications curriculum now.
1: Absolutely. Now, with the podcast, um, you've been relentlessly consistent. You, you, you don't <laughs> miss weeks. You have stand-in hosts if somebody's going to be off because you keep on going. And I mean, you, there's, there's nothing more consistent than about to reach 500 episodes in nearly 10 years. So why has consistency been important to you?
0: I didn't start off in digital. I've been in digital since the very beginning, since before there was a browser, um, long before Google. My background is in other forms of media. And one of the things I learned as a young professional is if you're trying to communicate to an audience, the best way to do that is to make that communication habitual. And imagine if you were trying to publish a magazine and you're like, we're going to publish a magazine when we feel like it or when we're inspired or we're going to do three issues of the magazine in august and then not another one till october and then we'll do a few more i mean you just you can't build a habit like that and so uh my take has always been like let's let's publish an episode every friday period um some episodes are better than others um, but there's always going to be one every friday and and people probably don't listen to every single episode either but that's okay enough people do listen that it's, that it all works out. Um, but if they have to, if they have to go looking for you and they have to wonder, I wonder if there's going to be a new episode or when the new next, next episode is. Uh, I, I just don't think that's a sound way to build a following.
1: And I guess when you started, you never realized that consistency would lead to as many episodes as, as you to. do. No, did, definitely. So. <laughs> definitely.
0: did not think 10 years no. later, I'd still be doing the, doing the show and, and, and not only still doing the show, but but largely the same format. I mean, the show yeah. really hasn't changed um, that much. Uh, we certainly talked about, you know, doing format changes or a different kind of show, and we've done special episodes and things like that from time to time, but largely it's the same show. Um, I've, I've had several different co-hosts, kind of like um, Spinal Tap drummers, um, but, but uh, you know, it's, it's still mostly the same show as it was when we started.
1: Yeah, because that was a you know question I was going to ask you, which is what have you changed over time? Because, you know, in doing research for this interview with you and looking back over previous episodes, and it, it didn't seem like you were going to have a huge, you know, response to that from a format perspective, because it has stayed very similar in format. But are there any other kind of bigger changes maybe, you know, behind the scenes or anything that you've made with the show?
0: Well, certainly, um, as I said, we've had several different co-hosts over the years, um, but Adam Brown from Salesforce who's our co-host now has been with us five years, I think. Um, so, so he's like the new guy. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of funny. It's pretty consistent in and of itself. Um, so we've definitely had some different co-hosts. We, we used to do more segments on the show. We used to, at one point, um, you know, have, have more blocks like, okay, this is going to be the stat of the week or, or trivia question or whatever. And we'd have, we'd have more kind of listener um, uh, uh sections, but we, we sort of moved away from that because we've always said from the beginning, it's not a show about me or a show about Adam. It's a show about the guest. Um, our guests, we, we have authors on the show as well, but typically our guests are somebody who is a real person doing real work in social media, and they are a social media manager, director, vice president, etc. for a major brand. And they're not on podcasts very often. Right. They don't get a chance to tell that story very often. So we want to give as much room as possible for for those guests to to sort of tell their story and hopefully allow us to ask interesting, uh, interesting questions. So um, we we have um, uh, certainly had a lot of different sponsors, which is great. We try to incorporate them into the content. But I would say one of the things that that is changed the most is not the on air product. But, but how we promote the show, right, how we, how we atomize uh, episodes and how we promote episodes in social media, um, thanks to you and your amazing team at Content 10X for your work on the show, um, that's changed a lot. And ironically, it's a podcast about social media, uh, and we continue to have to evolve how we use social media to promote the podcast about social media, right, it's very meta
1: hey just a little break from this podcast episode to ask you a question would you like one single place that you can go to that provides you with everything you need to be able to implement the best practices in content repurposing for your video content your podcast episodes and your social media content today to help you get more value from the content that you create get more time back and help you reach more people than you ever thought possible If so, then you are going to love the Content 10x Toolkit. The toolkit is full of video tutorials, templates, checklists, swipe files, step-by-step guides, and more that shows you how to repurpose your content in the best ways possible today. No more Googling, no more figuring it out yourself. We provide you with everything that you need to become a content repurposing pro. If this sounds like something that would interest you, then go check out the Content 10x Toolkit at content10x.com forward slash toolkit. Okay, I'm back to this week's episode. What was the, What were the um, marketing and, you know, repurposing and marketing techniques that you followed in the early days?
0: Yeah, it... There, there weren't very many because there weren't a lot of social channels, right? I mean, it was basically um, write a blog post um, and and even kind of the concept of show notes and things were a lot different then, but it was basically write a blog post um, and, and tweet it. And that was kind of the list because that was sort of the only, and, and we'd include it in our newsletter, email newsletter, um, but that was kind of the Collection of options that 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 really mattered. I mean, you couldn't really use LinkedIn in that way. Um, you know, you talk about it on Facebook, but nobody cared. I mean, you got to realize at that point, a lot of people are like, "Well, what's a podcast? I don't, what does that mean? I don't understand, right? <laughs> what that means? I mean, I don't know. I, I I did some research on this like two or three years ago. I have no idea what the current numbers are, but um, there weren't that many podcasts at that point, and there certainly weren't very many podcasts about social media. Now, of course, there's lots.
1: Yeah, but and, and I guess it's really interesting coming back to what you said at the start about when you launched the show. It wasn't the intention wasn't to become a huge show. You said no. that you wanted totally. to network, yeah, to bring to to meet new people, bring um bring guests on, interesting guests, get to know people. And that's the same for a lot of B2B podcasts, uh, you know, back then as it is Mm -hmm. now, like it's not to be the next Joe Rogan, is it? Or the next like biggest podcast ever. We
0: would would have had a much different show. If we were trying to build audience for audience sake, we'd have a very different show. Uh, We would, we would have different guests. We'd have different questions. We'd produce it differently. Um, It would sound different. Um, We would do a lot. We'd probably do a lot of theme episodes, things like that. Um, or, Or episodes that are topically driven as opposed to, to guest driven. Um, we've never done any of that because, you know, our, our thought has always been, look, if you're running social media for a big brand, um, this is the best show for you. And, and if you're not, if you don't fit that description, we'd love to have you listen to the show, but we're not making the show for you. We're making the show for those people. And, and there's enough of those people, um, to make the show a success, um, and, and keep sponsors happy. And some of them become, clients on the consulting side. And that's great as well, as we mentioned, but there's a lot of great social media podcasts out there that, that intentionally reach a broader audience because they're, they're focused more on tactics um, or how to's or things that sort of smaller companies care about, you know, and we're, we're talking about things like you know, Google was on the show recently talking about sort of global change management, right? That's a that's a, a meaty, weighty, heady topic. And and we do not and we never will dumb the show down for audience. I just refuse to do it. Um I don't, you know, it's not about that. We want to be the smartest show out there for those kind of people, and, and that puts a natural cap on the size of the audience. And that's okay. I'm perfectly happy with that.
1: Yeah, it's um it is super targeted. It's a really you know, fantastic show. I, I love to listen to it, but every time I listen to it, I totally, completely get who you're talking to, who the audience is. Like you said, you always speak with people from large organizations who work in social media and, and it's very different to say, um Michael Stelsner's show but totally different audience that's more like tactics that could suit the you know a person with a side hustle through to you know people in a bigger business but that it's very niche down isn't it and you know I think that's really important and I guess if you were if you were to start the podcast today so let's say you were in the same situation. He's starting a podcast today. What would you do anything differently? Would you even start a podcast or would it be a video show or what would you do
0: differently today? Yeah, good question. Yeah. Um, I just because of the magic of repurposing, if I was going to start a show today, I would probably start it as video just because then you've got video. And we've done that a couple of times. I think you remember Amy for, for a while there, we were recording the video from the show Um but you know, a conversational podcast turned into a YouTube video is not a very compelling YouTube video. Um, So, so unless you're trying to make it sort of video worthy, I'm not certain the point, but if I was starting from scratch, I would probably do that, right? I would probably create a YouTube series um, that, that also becomes a podcast. In fact, I did that with my, um, my show talk triggers that I did a couple of years ago. I did a 20 episode run that was really a YouTube show. Um, but we stripped the audio out and turned it into a podcast uh, because, because why not? So that's probably how I would do it today. And I also might, um, if I had the time and, and, and sort of the desire, if I was starting from scratch, I would probably do it by theme. So for example, let's do a show about how social media managers find and attract new talent. And so I do four or five interviews with different people and then combine those interviews into one episode about that topic. And that's a pretty common podcast format, right? It's more of an NPR style. You bring in bits from a bunch of different interviews into one thematic hole. That's probably what I would do if I started from scratch.
1: It's really interesting you say about the YouTube aspect as well, because um, I agree with you in terms of, to me, putting an entire Like interview podcast, conversational interview podcast onto YouTube doesn't necessarily sound like what people would go to YouTube for. But then it is amazing how many people discover and listen to podcasts on YouTube, isn't it? And Tom Webster from Edison Research, he's been putting out quite a lot of content recently saying it's astonishing him to see as they're doing their research studies you know, how many people say they they listen to podcasts on YouTube and they found the podcasts on YouTube. It is. Yep. It's really it's higher than a lot of the other podcast apps. Yep. So,
0: well, in um, music, too. I mean, same thing, same same thing is true, right? There's so yeah. much music listening and music discovery on, on YouTube. And, and I think at some level um, it makes sense just because, yes, YouTube is a video platform, but YouTube is really a search engine. Right. I mean, and, and, and people go to YouTube to find stuff, right. Just the same way they do uh, on Google. So um, I think that's, that's part of it, but I still believe that, that, you know, full episodes of just somebody and somebody else talking in a microphone is, is probably you'd be better off cutting that down to to highlights and so yeah. here's the, here's the six minute excerpt of the show, but who knows?
1: Yeah, I completely agree. Even if you take the whole one hour episode and create, Five highlights where, you know, you theme part of the conversation right. and just to do yeah. it in that way.
0: Yeah, it would help, though. To, it would help to, to to produce the show knowing you're going to do that. Right. Exactly. So, so segment. working with you and your team, it's it's tricky. It's tricky to make segments like that after the fact. Right. If you don't record it as a segment and you're trying to like, OK, what's a natural cut what's a natural way to you know get in and out of this bit um it's very very difficult to just take a a a regular show and just cut it into little pieces because without context the the person who just sees that clip's like what the hell are they talking about i don't what where did this come from right so you almost have to record the show in in segments that you know you're then going to repurpose into smaller bits for youtube and then you can then you can really make it happen
1: Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, you know, to the point of introducing each segment of the interview as it moves along, thinking about the repurposing and yeah, I completely agree. And from the guests perspective, so you mentioned that a lot of the people that you speak to aren't necessarily used to going on podcasts. So it's a great opportunity Mm -hmm. for them to share. So I, I sometimes think another consideration is whether it's quite, is it off-putting sometimes to them to say you're going to be recorded on video? Do you think sometimes they find the audio-only aspect more uh, comforting and appealing, or do you think it doesn't really make any difference?
0: No, I think there is an issue there. Yeah. Um, it's a lot easier now, though, because of, because of COVID, right? And, and everybody just spent you know a year and a half doing 114 Zoom calls a day. So if you're not comfortable being on a camera now, I don't think you're ever you're ever gonna get comfortable like this is this is uh literally it's it's so different than it was two years ago. um so I don't think it's so much of hey, I'm not comfortable on camera uh to me as a producer um and a host, it just creates more options and and more problems, right so it's like, look, it's hard enough doing a three person podcast where everybody's remote. I um, got my microphone, Adam's microphone, the guest microphone. Um, Now, if everybody's also got camera, now you've got lighting uh, to deal with backgrounds, it just creates a whole bunch of things that are hard to control for. Um, And, and, and so I just find it to be difficult to keep quality consistent in that in that circumstance, because look, I'm already asking for an hour of somebody's time. Who's got a busy job. And now I'm going to be like, hey, could you find some more lights in your in your home office or could you take that painting down or move your kid out of the shot or whatever. It just it just feels like an additional burden um, for them. And, and maybe if I was going to require video, um, I would make it shorter. Right. I'd be like, look, we're into a 15 minute show. But it's going to be video, but it's tight, and that way, so it's the the burden of video is um, is is offset by making the whole time commitment shorter.
1: Well, I mean, what I tend to do is. I'll record the whole interview on video, but we don't use the whole video anyway. So I usually try and say, look, I know if you're not used to being on video, but don't think of being on video because I'm only going to take small snippets, one minute, two minute snippets. It will be, you know, a good snippet where you're not, you know, where (laughs) you delivered it perfectly. So if you want to scratch your nose or you want to have a drink of water, don't worry because you're not on camera the whole time, kind of ease that way. But you are right in terms of, um, I remember being invited onto a podcast once and I got a like crib sheet. There's something sent to me beforehand and I was used to podcasting. So everything was fine. But I was thinking about people that weren't in it. It did say things like, you know, ensure that you're in a space with this kind of background. The show's theme color is this. So if there could be this color in wow. the background. <laughs> yeah. And um, and That's it said. If you don't have a microphone, here's some links to you know some that you could buy and things like that. And it was just a bit like, wow, this is all a very big ask for somebody to become to yeah. come on and start redecorating yeah. the house and buying microphones. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> right.
0: like that. If you could get some paint; that'd be great. Yeah, yeah exactly. Maybe <laughs> yeah. retile. Yeah,
1: exactly. Maybe That's just put lot. some foam on the ceiling; that would be nice as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> So you do have to think about like those aspects too, don't you? There's a lot that goes into it all. Um, What yeah. would you say is a barrier to consistency that people often kind of hit that they just need to overcome?
0: Um, well, I, I think for a couple of things, one, it's it's hard to keep doing it when you've got other things in your life, right? It's, you know, considering how much I used to travel, um, it's really hard to get the show produced sometimes, um, especially with three, three people on the microphone. Um, and so you really have to make it a priority, and, and it's got to be scheduled. Like, we're scheduled weeks in advance um, for the show, because uh, otherwise it just wouldn't happen, right? So I think it falls off people's schedules. That's the first thing. Second thing is podcasting is um, lonely. There's not a lot of audience feedback. So, so, you know, you're not getting direct comments, so you would in a blog back when we had blog comments, you're not getting, um, you know, real time likes and thumbs up and things like that, like you would in a social post. And and so sometimes it sort of feels like, hey, is this thing on? Does anybody hear this? You know, um, and so I think lack of instantaneous audience feedback can be demoralizing sometimes. Um, and then the the third thing is, especially for shows where it's more about the host and their ideas, people just run out of steam, they just run out of content, right? Which is one of the reasons that we've been able to go so long, because it's not about me. If I had to come up with 500 hours of me just telling you what I know, there's no way we've been on 500 shows. But it's not that. It's it's an hour from each person. So it's much easier to keep rolling if you're not having to put all the knowledge into the show. That's why, you know, when I've done my own shows, uh, I've done Jay Today, I've done... uh, standing ovation and talk Trigger, several other podcasts that I've run and when it's just me talking I try and plan for 20 episode sprints so I'll do 20 episodes and then get out because I know I got 20 good episodes in me but after that like eh, maybe not so I think that's part of it people just like run out of ideas
1: yeah I guess um when when you're deciding on the guests do you have I guess a theme or particular topics that you would like to bring specialist guests on to talk about so it's more about deciding on the the topics as it is than fitting the guests for those topics or
0: no actually uh we don't it's it's much more about this is an interesting organization interesting company um doing interesting things in in social so we don't necessarily go out and say hey Um, we haven't done an episode recently on on user-generated content. So let's find somebody who's doing that and kind of match that up because we want to talk about it on the show. We don't do that. Um, It really is more about um, this is an interesting organization or a brand that we think people would like to hear from. Um, And then we sort of tailor the the content in the episode to what we think the audience will like best, which is why we ask our guests to do a a questionnaire before the show, um, which just gives us a little content on, you know, what do they think is interesting in their own story?
1: Yeah, cool. So the final question, which is a big question, um, (laughs) what would you say? I know you've been podcasting. You've had, like you said, it's not just social pros. You've had a number of different podcasts. Mm -hmm. What would you say is the kind of the biggest lesson learned from consistently creating podcasts for such a long period of time? So the, the biggest thing that you've learned over that time?
0: I think if you if you just focus on a very specific audience and find a way to be that audience's favorite podcast in the world, you'll do great. The the the, the biggest mistake people make is they target too large of an audience. And at that point their podcast is one of several that that are marginally relevant to the audience you want to be you're much better off being hyper relevant to a small audience than partially relevant to a large audience, um, especially given how many podcast choices listeners have today. So I would much rather be um the 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 favorite podcast of fifty thousand people than I kind of like it. Of 500,000 people yeah uh, and in order to do that you really have to understand the the persona of the listener and then build the show accordingly um, for them not for you The show's not for me the shows is for the listeners of the show um, if I was making a show for me it'd be a different show but I'm not I'm not the audience I'm just the host so um, people tend to get seduced by this idea that we need a bigger audience and I will tell you you actually need a smaller audience that's loyal
1: and And I guess really good audience insights to truly start to understand your audience, so you know it's for them, but it's getting those insights, isn't it as to what do they yeah. want?
0: That's the tricky part, especially yeah. with, with podcasts, right because it is an anonymous listening audience, and so one of the things that I think can really help, and we haven't done as good a job of this as I would like to um but but taking some percentage of that listener base and giving them some sort of an assignment, whether it's a survey or a contest or whatever, so you can de-anonymize them a little bit, um, whether it's a, a, a survey or, or a, hey, just have a Facebook group or something where people can comment and, you know, just, just get to know the listener a little better. That's why a lot of podcasts have been really successful having live events of Right. So so come meet the host. and then and then all of a sudden it's not just anonymous listeners, it's people in three dimensions standing in front of you, which you can you can learn a lot about the the listeners that way also.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Even just a small gathering, if it's a global podcast and you do something local, just to be able to hear from people, there's something yes. that somebody's gonna yes. say that you've never thought yes. of before. So yeah,
0: yeah, do a do a you know, do a live do a live show, right? Do a live taping. Um, and be like okay anybody who's in the town or the whatever or the conference come uh, do that and and we haven't very much recently for a number of reasons but in the earlier years of the show we did a lot of those we did two or three or four live um, recordings a year at different conferences and it was great because then it's like oh yeah I love the show I listen to the show and and some of your audience is right there in front of you
1: yeah it's awesome isn't it something that I hope to do when, uh, when it's possible to do things like right. that again,
0: yeah. a little bit more, I'm going to do, do a podcast taping from the airplane.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much for coming back on again, Jay. Such a, such a great conversation. What, where would you like people to connect with you um, and to find out more?
0: I think by, I'll be back on episode 309. If your pattern is, is stays. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Through. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Pencil me in for episode 309. Uh, uh, the podcast, as mentioned, is called Social Pros. Uh, you can find it in your podcast app or socialprospodcast.com. Uh, I have a uh, newsletter that I just started recently. I send it out every other Saturday called The Bare Facts with marketing and customer experience advice, tequila reviews, uh, and, uh, and life hacks. Uh, you can find that and subscribe for free at thebarefacts.com.
1: Awesome. Thank you, Jay. Well, thank you so much. It's been great. Yep. Um, 3.09, I'll see you then.
0: Yeah, I'll be here. i on my calendar. But, uh,
1: but no, it's been awesome. So here's to the next 500 episodes of Social Pros as well. I don't,
0: know. I don't know if I can get to a thousand shows, but we'll see. Yeah, I'll invite yeah. you on
1: for that as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. it would be like 2032 or something like that. I'm like, I don't know. And that seems like a lot. You
1: never know. Never know. Thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. It's been awesome. Take care. Okay, so I hope you enjoyed that discussion and thank you so much for tuning in if you enjoy the content 10x podcast then why not hit that subscribe button on your podcast listening app of choice so that you can get updated when new episodes are released and I'd really really appreciate it if you could leave a review as well that really makes a difference for the podcast also please do get a copy of my book content 10x more content less time maximum results it is the ultimate guide to repurposing every type of content. And it's available on Amazon, in Kindle and paperback, and also in audiobook as well. And you can head to content10x.com forward slash book to find all the other places that you can get a copy of my book. And if you would like us to do your content repurposing for you, then we offer a fully end-to-end done for you content repurposing service. This is for podcasters and video content creators. We have our podcast 10x, video 10x and also our specific LinkedIn 10x service helping you to become the leading authority in your industry on LinkedIn. You can find out so much more about our services on our website and also please do give me a follow on the social media platforms. I share lots and lots of tips and advice on social media about content repurposing. I'm at a content 10x on instagram facebook twitter and if you try content 10x.com forward slash linkedin you'll find my linkedin profile over there as well all that's left to say is thank you so much for listening to this week's episode and i'll catch you in the next one